Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. Football continues. World Series happening very soon. And of course, hockey season. You can bet pregame, live and play, or one of our many prop bets, which Jesse is looking at right now. One of the many, many prop yes. bets. Made for Canadians by Canadian Sports Interaction is uh, easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. She scores! Take a moment to look up at the ceiling. You're about to bust through it. SDPN and PWHPA presents Hockey Like You've Never Heard It Before The Noxie and Cax Show With Liz Knox and Carol Emard. <laughs> Let's get it, go! Happy Friday everyone and welcome back to Noxie and Cax We're excited to be welcoming our first guest of Season 2 today And this is, hands down, my favorite part of the show Getting to know our athletes on and off the ice But before we get to Hannah Bunton Cax, why don't you lead us off with this new tradition we have of starting with, like, the news? Absolutely. So, news flash uh, from everywhere. So, right now, this weekend, uh, Carolyn Prevo from Team Senate will be or was or is going to the Rogue Invitational in Austin, Texas. So, um, if you want to stay updated, please follow her along on her Instagram or uh, rogfitness.com or rogcanada.ca. So, again, this weekend, Carolyn Prevo will be competing at the invi- Invitational Rogue, Rogue Fitness. Is it Rogue or Rog? Rogue. Yeah, okay. I think. French. Maybe French in French it's here. Rog. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Next news yeah, watch to her, <laughs> Watch her lift heavy things and then put them down. Um <laughs> Also this week, the Rivalry Series rosters were announced. So um, seven-game series opens November 15th in Kelowna, B.C. Two days later, Game 2 is in Kamloops, B.C. And then U.S. hosts Canada on November 20th in Seattle, which is going to be so sick. Um, we've got 20 PWHPA players on Canada and 16 on U.S. So it'll be so exciting to see that rivalry grow as it always does every time those two teams touch the ice. And, of course, you guys will have some teammates that will be keeping a close watch on <laughs> we'll have to talking about rosters as well too uh today the rosters for Turo dropped for the pwhpa so uh we just announced the morning or this morning sorry that uh who was going to be playing at intro in nova scotia catch those on twitter's at at PWHPA. Uh, there and will have everything or you'll be able to see some posts on instagram as well Yeah, and it's kind of cool because each roster, each tour stop, you know, it's going to be somewhat varied in the rosters depending on players can make it, can't make it, injuries or not. So we'll be looking forward to see those rosters take to the ice and show in uh, like two weeks, less than that, one week. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Next week. How is this time flying? Anna Um, Bunton will be there. Heck yeah, she will. Let's flag her in. And just before we get to meet Hannah a little bit, um, I did want to talk about uh, our friend Amanda Proven at AMAPRO64. So Amanda was at our very first Dream Gap Tour stop in Toronto like four years ago. And um, Bauer actually put up the, you know, a nice poster and it was uh, hashtag share dream. So like 
guests, fans, young girls, um, you know, players could come and kind of write their dreams down. So four years ago, Amanda wrote um, that she dreamed to be the first female player to make the Canadian national blind hockey team. And she achieved that dream, which is so cool. And then she went above it and became the first female to win gold. And so we just wanted to shout her out. I think that's such a cool story. Um, I'm a big believer in writing your goals down and to see her, you know, do that in front of so many people and then achieve it is just like absolutely goal crushing. We're so proud of her. So give her a follow, Amanda Provan. Love to Absolutely. see it. I love this. I love this kind of news, Noxie. Well put. This <laughs> We're is all good. happy news here. Absolutely. No bad days. <laughs> no, never. So that's the, right. the exciting part, the, the more exciting part, you know, we get to learn about our athletes. Um, today, we're so, so lucky to have Hannah Bunsen on. Woo! <laughs> At Bunsen <laughs> underscore nine. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Thanks for coming on. You're in Montreal right now, correct? Yeah, I'm at uh, Bourget College, so I'm just outside in Rigaud, Quebec. So it's about 40 minutes outside of Montreal. Right on. And nice. representing Team Sonnet this year, which is weird. Like, <laughs> it is weird. I, I was uh, warming up the first day in Montreal and I kept like in my peripherals seeing the bright blue. I'm like, oh, this is so weird. I was used to, I'm always used to seeing red uh, with Scotiabank. So it was, it was weird to be in bright blue. It's a good one. Love I love that. that jersey, honestly. Oh. Sonnet, Sonnet's got the best color, I will say it. And I I'm do a like big fan the of the blue and the orange, but I really like the teal. I think it's sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty eye-popping. <laughs> so, speaking of, of colors, schools, you're like, you've kind of been around women's hockey uh, post-college, even during <laughs> college. So, why don't you take us back to uh, where you started your college career at Cornell? Um, tell us a little bit about the campus. As Cax was saying earlier, like, we've had a few Cornell people on now, or like, we have friends. So, tell us about your experience of, of the campus and, and the team. Yeah, I think Cornell people are a little bit biased of the school and the campus and they're they're pretty proud to be grads from there so i was actually just there last weekend uh visiting i hadn't been back in a in a little bit and we had about 20 alumni that all made it down but cornell was such like a great place the campus is absolutely beautiful um it's nice and close to my home i'm from belleville ontario so that was like a big draw to going there but the school the campus um, it's just a really, really special place. And I feel like what makes it even more special are the people there and not just the people that go there, but the people that live in Ithaca. Um, like they're still the same fans from when I went there. They were all yeah. still at the games. They had a tailgate outside before the Saturday game. So it just is like you get a real family feel. Um, and I'm sure a lot of schools do get that as well. Uh, but I think that was kind of unique to, to my experience in Ithaca. And uh, what brings me back all the time is because the same people are still there and they keep going and supporting the women's hockey team so it's i know we all have that uh little like village type of like you know the the they're sitting in the same seats probably as they were when you were playing you know exactly when yeah exactly yeah. I, I think it's it i don't know if it's an american college or noxie if you had that too at laurie in, in canada if you have their super like the super fans the one that come back over and over and after years and you know, they never leave basically, but we absolutely love having them and chatting with them and stuff. Like I remember going back to Slew and it was the same, same, same thing. Like, you know, exactly that this like little lady and her husband will be sitting over there. And then, you know, you, you, you're looking forward to catch up with them almost like, 
Yeah, I know. Like they haven't changed a day and like we've grown through our lives and they're just like doing the same thing every Friday, Saturday night. It's, uh, it's, I was just going to say that I feel like you grow up before their very eyes and somehow they just stay like timeless. Like they just, they're wearing the same jacket and like in the same seat. They're like, you know, fans for life. We love to see that. Um, I love it. Did you always know you wanted to go to Cornell? No, it's actually funny. So I, I think I knew I wanted to stay kind of on the East, um, and be kind of close to home. I was, uh, my parents like always were at every single game that I played. So I think it was kind of important for me to be somewhere where they could come. Um, or maybe they were telling me that and that's what I thought now <laughs> looking back, but, uh, that was kind of important to me. And then, uh, once I started to kind of go through the process of looking for schools, like I knew that education was super important to me. My parents are both teachers. So again, they probably like helped ingrain that in me. And, um, I kind of decided at a point in my high school career, like Ivy league was the way I wanted to go. Um, and so then I kind of narrowed it down to some Ivy leagues, but I was actually really, really, really set on Dartmouth. Um, I loved Dartmouth. I loved the campus. Um, I loved everything about it. And I remember my dad was like, we're just going to go visit Cornell. And if you don't like it, you can call Dartmouth, like when you're standing on campus and tell them that you're going there. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. And as soon as I went on campus, like I knew it was like my place and I, it completely changed my mind. So um, yeah, I was pretty set. I almost committed to Dartmouth and then I was like, I'll just do one visit and see how it goes. And then, um, as soon as, as I was there, I knew it was like where I wanted I love to that. be. So. That's funny too. Big green for big red. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> a little swap. Up, up in green. We'll give a shout out to Dartmouth, the people that we had here, but, um, no, that's like a huge and an important point you're making, Anna. And I think for the listeners, we have like all age and all kinds, people that are making decisions from, you know, maybe going to college and and stuff like waiting to actually see the campus and get that feeling of like like you're standing there you're talking with te- the team actually or players that you may play with i think is super important and sometimes overrated right people are committing uh, early now and are, are doing like a little zoom visit or used to with covid and everything that happened i think you know the process has changed a lot but um getting the vibe and feeling what the team's going to look like or be like the coaching staff, the like atmosphere, you're going to be there for four years. So might as well take the time to get on campus. Right. Yeah. And I always tell my girls now that I'm coaching to like, what if something happens? Like you don't want to think of the worst, but choose somewhere where you would be happy if all of a sudden hockey was gone. Like, you know, you could have an injury, something could happen and you want to be in a spot that, you know, you're getting an education that you're enjoying. You're in a place where you could see if hockey wasn't there, like hockey is obviously a big part of our world, but it's not the only thing, especially in a four year experience. So, um, I always try and say like, where would you be happy if all of a sudden hockey was gone tomorrow? Um, and you're going to spend your four years there studying. So that was huge. And like, I would go back to Cornell in a heartbeat if hockey wasn't there just to have that experience. Yeah, That's like some sound advice right there, honestly. (laughs) And I think that as female athletes, like we're more uh, inclined to think that way because, you know, we 
don't really see as a longevity of a professional career after college. So it's like, yeah, like hockey is not forever. I think definitely on the guy's side, like that's a harsher reality at times, but it's important that, you know, we teach like these young girls, especially to have a plan if hockey, you know, doesn't pan out. Like you say, it can, you knock, you knock on wood, you don't want to see it happen to anybody, but those stories do come in. So tell us a little bit about, um, after college then, uh, you did you go right to the the Vanky race? Is it right out of college? Yeah, yeah. So I remember it was my senior year, senior spring. So hockey was over, and it was kind of like, uh, what now? <laughs> like, what, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to live? Um, and I remember uh, Rob Morgan was my head coach the first year, uh, but he was at Yale previously, so he saw me a lot in college because we played against them in the ECAC. Um, and I remember him kind of reaching out and was like, is it going to be a team in China? Like, I want to talk to you about it. And I, my initial reaction was like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to China. Like it's not happening. Um, at the time, like obviously I had friends in Calgary, I had friends playing in Toronto and Montreal. So it was like, those were kind of the areas I was looking to move to. And then I remember I had a conversation and to be perfectly honest, there was money involved and it's fair. Um, Hell yeah. And once like that was kind of like the, it just seemed like an opportunity that was too kind of good to pass up. Um, especially knowing that we were playing in the CWHL. So like I knew I would be back in Canada and North America quite mm-hmm. often. And then I also had at the time, one of my really good friends, Ashley Brickalick, um, who was a really great player. She went to Minnesota Duluth. Um, she was also considering going over and we had played on team Canada U18 together. So it was kind of like a little reunion after college. And we both kind of talked and we're like, let's just do it. Like we can't, there's nothing to lose here. Um, let's try it. So I went right after I graduated, I went home for the summer and then That's crazy. And just for for everyone too, this was like in 2017, I believe that the, so two China teams were added to the CWHL, the Venki Rays and the Red Star, like Kunlun Red Star, right? There's two teams, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it feels like it's been a long, long time. Yeah, that <laughs> that feels that like it was ago. a decade ago. God. Um, I know, it's crazy. We remember, like, both Noxie and I were actually on the board uh, or the seat of talking about this and then player rep and trying to, like, figure out, okay, will they have visa? Will they be covered? Like, we were trying to, like, ask so many questions because we were about to send Canadian players or, Amer- like, American players to, like, China. So the, the whole thought of that was, like, confusing but yet like it brought so much I guess good in, in a sense we played against you know we went to China once <laughs> each year right <laughs> but then you guys came over every I guess every other week so like you're saying like you must have been actually in Canada way more than probably in Kunlun or in Shenzhen sorry yeah yeah we were tra- we traveled so much like I feel like that whole two years of my life, I felt like I was like suffering a concussion <laughs> because I was in a different time zone every day. Like it was so crazy. Like you're always just like, tired. You're like, where am I? What am I doing? But we'd be, it's 12 hour time yeah. change. So like we'd come over and then we'd go back and we, it was crazy, but we'd stay for like months at a time when we'd come over and kind of go, like we'd hit Toronto, we'd hit Boston, uh, we'd go to Montreal and then we'd go home and then we'd be, uh, back in China for about a month. So 
like it ended up working out, but it's crazy. My first year we flew yeah. first class everywhere. What? So Man, like, I remember that. we were in like, <laughs> no po- yeah, like we we're flying in pods everywhere. Like my first year, it was like, like looking back, I wish I had like my YouTube channel back then and could go back and watch the stuff that we were doing. But like we were flying first class. Like it was like, I loved going to the airport. Like it was my favorite thing going on a 14 well, and hour Like flight. you said, like your initial reason for going was getting paid. Like nobody here is going to fault you for that, you know, and money talks and the CWHL wouldn't have survived the last two years without China entering. So it's, it was cool. Like it was cool to see you guys get that experience. Like obviously we were freaking jealous. Cause I'm like, <laughs> and like, I want to so, make like, money and play hockey, but yeah. at the same time, it was like, wow, this is like maybe this is the direction that we're headed. Like with the CWHL, obviously naively at the time, because fast forward two years and we're in a very different awesome. place. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you're probably one of very few um, North American athletes for sure who's had that first class professional experience outside of being on a national team. So it's cool for sure. And don't. And don't get me wrong, like, obviously, I look back and I'm like, I was so lucky. Like, it kind of just, it fell in my lap. Like, I was graduated at the right time. Very, very lucky. And I'll always say I was so lucky to have that experience. But I was also, like, it came with a lot of challenges. Like, we were in China. We, the food was, like, we really, really struggled with the food. Like, you're so far away from everyone. Like, you're living this kind of really secluded um weird life um but then it also came with a lot of perks like there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows um so it was just like a very interesting experience like looking and, and back i think on. that like the perks and everything is like pretty much what a professional t- team should be like right you were traveling first class you were like mm-hmm. you know equipment was like arena. their own arena like the mm-hmm. setup there with the gym and everything equipment manager like everything mm-hmm. was covered everything was like taken care of right where you know on the other side and mm-hmm. it's not to compare at all like we were buying our sticks we were buying like there's a, a few things and, and the concept was and to be completely clear it wasn't like the cwhl that that wasn't doing what they were doing for there it was like the owners of the china teams had yeah. mm-hmm. you know the means and and wanted to provide that for you guys as a, a professional and and you know elite type of like setup so yeah and to be honest too like i think now being where I am and experiencing the other side, I can like see that. But at the time I came from playing on team Canada U18 and then going to Cornell university where like your treat, like university for women is the, the like epitome of Mm -hmm. what you want to get to. Like you're treated so professionally there. So I went from always being treated professionally to then being treated professionally again for two years to then experiencing (laughs) reality (laughs) 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 to then then everything else so like i looking back i was i am so grateful but at the time i was kind of just like well like shouldn't this this is should be this is the added like okay so what we went through versus you <laughs> the college to the drop to like see dub and then whatever raising we should never live this what you went through from graduation to be treated at, as a pro is what needs to happen moving forward right so yeah. Like, you always kind of see like the shock on like the, the <laughs> girls who are coming fresh out of college. You see the shock on their face, like at their first CW game or like where they're just like, 
oh my gosh, like I heard it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. Right. So yeah, like definitely working with the PA, obviously working to change that. I did want to like go back to China a little bit because I didn't really get to experience it. I only went to China for one year, but I hear that there's like a crazy nightlife and I want to know the, the cra- you're like your craziest, like maybe li- li- you can leave names out if you want, but like, Were you there? What, what's the name I of think that it's club? The house. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's the, yeah. the house. There's like a trampoline in the middle of the dance floor. This is my most oh remarkable place. We showed up and we looked like we were, or people thought we were superstars too on top of it. So because they are obsessed with like Western life. Like it's crazy. My parents came to China once. This is, we're going away from the house for a second, but we'll go back. But my parents came to China and they went to like this beach in China. And at the beach, there's like these little, um, not even a shower, but like hosing off area so you can get the sand off. And my dad's like getting the sand off and there's like 10 people filming him in his bathing suit, like washing the sand off. And my dad was like mortified. He's like, what, what is going on? And I'm like, everywhere you go, it's picked. Like you feel like a movie star when you're walking around in China because people ask you for photos, blondes, especially Mm -hmm. like love blondes. Um, but just like you feel like famous. So you walk into that club and it's like, oh my God, like you're the star was like, of the Like the eight house. of us, I think that one or 10, I don't remember how many, but um, yeah. And as soon as we walked in, we didn't even get to buy a drink. Like everyone was like, hey, like have some pre-COVID, pre-everything. We're like, yeah, sure, we'll have it. And we'll eat your little <laughs> tropical fruit thingy that like, you, I didn't understand like trays, like fountain of like dragon fruit. <laughs> Yeah, like really bizarre yeah. experience. <laughs> people are just smoking cigarettes everywhere. Yeah, we, were, we were back like to Quebec or Montreal, like when I was 18 years old, basically smoking cigarettes. Everyone around you go to a bar, you smell like smokes. Like it's oh, in the elevators. I remember yeah, the first elevator. time I was there we were in the elevator, this guy just lights up a dart <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like <laughs> this is odd. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. One thing I will say, like, it's such a different experience, but it really gave me um, so much like appreciation for the culture mm-hmm. and the people there, because although things are done very differently, like, like they are in every country that we travel to and everything's done differently. Like the people are so, so kind. I had an experience I was out and we had like a little apartments. Um, and in the middle was like a, a play area for kids. And one time I was out with two of my friends, um, Emma and Ashley, and we were just kind of playing with this little kid in the park. And um, his uh, parents invited us into their apartment. And like, probably looking back, like maybe (laughs) there's three of us. So we were like, we're going to be fine. Like, we'll be fine no matter what. But anyway, so we went over just across the street into like an apartment. And they did this like tea ceremony. Uh, um, And uh, the little kids drew on this huge poster and I think it said something like, uh, our home is your home in Chinese. And it was just like an experience that I didn't think would like happen. Or I was just like, we would never, I feel like here, see someone at the park and be like, come over and we're going to do this whole like little thing for you. Um, so just like little situations like that, you start to like appreciate Mm -hmm. their culture more, um, and realize like how kind they are. And, you know, like sometimes at airports, it's super busy and people are pushy and shovey. And like to us, that's so rude and it's horrible and the worst thing ever. But to them, there's 
billions of people in the country. And like, if they don't do that in situations, you're never getting from point A to point B. And it's just kind of what happens. So you start to like, realize these things that maybe we see as rude is just like part of who they are. And they're actually like, it was such a cool experience. I met so many really, really like amazing people who were so kind and just like, so welcoming into their culture. Um, so sometimes I think we can take a page oh, out of their book. hundred um, percent. And I actually I had a, a, like a really cool, I don't know if I s- talked about this on a previous episode or not, but we went looking for this Buddhist temple when we were there and got wildly lost. <laughs> I don't know what the hell we were thinking, but we got lost. And then like, basically like the cabs kind of like stopped coming to this area at like 5 30 so it's like 6 37 the sun's starting to go down we're like oh shit like how are we gonna get home all we have is an address like for our hotel so we like start walking around like asking people they're just like no like there's just no cabs out here now so we end up going to this cafe the cafe the girl who was working there gave us each a guinness which i was like I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> and she's like, no, like I'll, and we're talking through like our phones, like using yeah, Google, Google Translate. Translate. Yeah. Yeah. And she ended up calling. I don't know if it was her boyfriend or her brother or like, a, I don't know who this guy was, but he came and like, no words was just like, she was like, get in the car. We're like, okay, same thing. I'm like, looking back, like maybe a little bit sketchy, but this guy drove us right to our hotel. Wouldn't take any money. Like we tried to give him cash. Like, thank you so much. He's like, no, like, you know, it was just like such a cool, like we're in, in a pretty tight situation could end up honestly like very dangerous. And this guy just took time out of his day. And yeah, it was really cool. I, I, I love that, you know, you get to share that kind of part of the culture with these people who just want to take care of you, make sure you have a great time. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it was, uh, yeah, so many different experiences, but so many great experiences. And you like learn so much when you're immersed in a different culture. Um, so it's pretty really special. cool. Oh, and speaking story, of culture, yeah. Hannah Bunsen is like our like in-house fashion, TikTok <laughs> star, Instagram model. Every, like you, you're like the <laughs> magazine front page girl. Cover uh, yeah, magazine, my claim to fame. Like, you know, you're the stuff that like pop stars write songs about here. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so show, first, you know? <laughs> before before we get back to you, I want to ask your professional opinion, and we're gonna put this picture up, I think, oh, on our God. YouTube channel. Cax's outfit yesterday on RDS was like <laughs> Chef's Kiss, but I don't. I clearly I know so much about fashion because I'm wearing a LA Dodgers hat and a black T-shirt. <laughs> want to get your take, your critique on this blazer turtle turtleneck combo? Uh, both love blazers are like my staple of fashion so anytime there's a blazer it's like immediate yes love blazers and turtlenecks it's fall like great it was great Noxie sent me a photo last night and I was like, fantastic. Like, you <laughs> Thank great. you guys. I mean, I didn't, ha- I, I can't take any credit. I went to the store that helps me to do this and the lady over there helped me out and they, the, the clothes there are amazing. Every time I go, I'm like, I don't even need to think. So the blazer was sick. And I, at first like I looked at it and I was like, is it too much? Like I'm going to be on the, on TV, there's a red background behind me, but it was gold with little things. And then she gave me letter pants too. So I was like, okay, let's go. I'm doing it. It's happening. So thank you, Hannah, for yes. approving. Hannah Bunton approved. Stamp it. Check. Let's go. <laughs> It's so fun though when someone like picks oh. out your outfit and you're just like, 
when like people have the vision for it and stuff and they see something you're like i don't know and then you put it does on, that happen like, oh, yeah, to you a lot totally yeah that me or do you like do you pick no. the outfits no i've only what? no 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 but i i feel like i always see things like i whenever i am planning outfits i'm like very um like I try and see it in my head of what it's going to look like, or I see one piece and I'm like, what could I put with that? Like, it's very, um, it's like an art. I feel like very much so. And I'm not an artist. What do you do? Maxie? you pick your hat uh, first and then you go. (laughs) Well, first I decide, am I going to do a low bun or a low pony? And then I figure out where do the wisps come out of the hat? (laughs) And then pretty much I'm set. I'm good to go. Um, But let's let's talk a little bit about like we're talking fashion, food. Uh, you mentioned that you have a YouTube channel yourself, so let's talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. What do you talk about? What are we interested? In? What content do you deliver? Give us some insight, and maybe even drop you know your your handle or website or whatever we can promo here. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I so it's funny with YouTube. I don't get me wrong; like, not a ton of people watch my YouTube videos, and I'm very okay with that. Um, it was definitely a point. Like, I always wanted to start a YouTube channel. I think it's really cool to see like. I like watching what people do in like a week or on a trip or in their daily life, like just kind of vlog. I'm always someone who takes photos. Like um, my girlfriend, Mello will probably get so annoyed. Like every time we're out, I'm (laughs) snapping photos. She's like, you're always taking photos, but it's just something I really, really enjoy. Like I, I find it very artistic. So I love doing that kind of stuff. And I love taking videos and kind of capturing things, but I had this really, really bad fear of, posting on YouTube for the first time. I was like, no one's going to watch it. People are going to make fun of me. Like it'll have a hundred <laughs> views and it's probably my mom a hundred <laughs> times. Like I was just so scared and I'm not kidding you. I filmed and edited probably five YouTube videos in like a three year span where I'm like, just post it, just post it. And I didn't, I wouldn't post it. And I promised myself when the first ever video I posted was uh, like a vlog of the L uh, cover shoot. And so I pro- like, I was like, I'm going to film this and I'm posting it. Like, no matter what, this is such a cool experience. Like I'm going to do it. And so anyway, now, like I still, I post videos. I, not a lot of people watch oh, them. And if they do, that's great. And if you want to, that's fine. But like, for me, I just, I love it. And I love even going back and being like, just rewatching it. It's like little home videos that you have. And if people want to watch great, if not, I have them. Um, I can go back and watch them. And so I just love, like, I think my, I have like artistic genes in my family, but my sister's like very artistic when it comes to like painting and drawing and sculpting and things like that. And that's like a gene I definitely <laughs> didn't get. Um, but I feel like my artistic comes in like photos and videos and like, it's just something I really enjoy doing. So like, any sort of vlog, just kind of what I do in a week or on a trip, I like to just film it and capture it. Behind behind the scenes is like a very like trending thing because people (laughs) just want to know like what your life is like. And especially as like, you know, an athlete or, um, you know, you're moving into the school setting now. It's like, how do you, you balance both these things? And yeah, I think it's, it's really cool to give people that insight. And I wanted to know, um, especially like TikTok, because this is something that like I struggle with. Not that I really try, but because I watch TikTok through my dog's account. But um, 
<laughs> How do you like? <laughs> well, he's trying to be famous. He has like five followers. <laughs> but how do you choose like what trends you're gonna like jump on, or like how do you know if something's like still in? I feel like these trends come and go like so fast. It's like how do you know what people are gonna like or not like, or do you care? <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't care. Um, I'm like a one and done kind of TikTok person. Like I, I don't like to be like so consumed by what I post or in my phone. And I, I can see Mello watching this back and being like, it takes you hours to post something on Instagram, which like maybe is true because I like like an artistic side to my Instagram. But with TikTok, it's a one and done thing. Like if I see something I like, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And I'll try it once and then post it. Um, so I, maybe I could put a little bit more effort into, but I just don't care to take the time to really try and get something perfectly. So for me, it's like, what can I do right now at that moment and quick? Cause I just want it to be like done. So I, TikTok's definitely not my forte, but when I post with, uh, I was Mary just going to ask you about this TikTok one. Loves you know that, so. I was like, how yesterday we were watching it. And then I was like, how did she get Pooh to do it? Like, and then again, oh, that I was, was going to say Becca, she like, after I'm like, Oh, she for sure made her do it. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Becca was bugging her. Come on, come on. We did it once. That was our first take. So I think if it was any more than one take, yeah. Pooh would have been do you out wanna, there. Do you want to explain the agreed. trend a little or tell people to go see it? Maybe you'll get more views on that one. I don't know. Yeah, Becca Leslie posted it, but it was um, a trend where Becca was saying girls who score in gold medal games and girls who don't. So who did a little oh dance goodness. if you want to go see her dance on TikTok? Yeah, she's a little shimmy. So she's uh, a... Yeah, it's really good. That was she a good one. Even, yeah, she gets so... Yeah. She rolls her eyes, hey? She's just yeah. like, come on, guys. Yeah, like but. she needs more fame and more people to follow her. But you know what? It works. It works for her. She's cute. She does it. Yeah. She tries to stick with, you know, the younger generations a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love stick it. with the younger. <laughs> is, is there any... Do you have a favorite post that you've made or fav- like maybe favorite favorite content or oh, something yeah, like favorite. direction that you like to go with um do you have a most famous post um not necessarily i love well i love anything with mateo uh Mello's son like he's so cute and like anytime i'm with him i just like love posting with him or like taking photos or in a little youtube when he's in there um so anything with him is like oh, super fun for me yeah the and stories are we can follow you on instagram for sure in your day-to-day with matteo i love it too it's cute yeah he's so cute he's like my little best friend so <laughs> him and raider are my favorite by the way together yeah they just do oh yeah the difference a giant dog and the little boy like i, I just love it every time it's scared he's oh my god go. they're so cute and I know they're so cute. He just like will randomly every morning just goes and gives them a hug right away. Like they're adorable. Together. Yeah, That's Raider, awesome. as Cax just said, is what Sorry. kind of dog is he? Other than huge, <laughs> oh, he's a horse. He's not a dog. No, um, he is like a mix of a uh, a few different types of mastiffs. But so I can get all nerdy Yo, with my dog do breeds. It. But like Italian mat. Italian Mastiff, there's two different types. There's like a Cane Corso and a Neapolitan Mastiff. And he's pretty much like a mix of the two of them. So I say Italian Mastiff because it's easier, but he's a mix of those kind of two breeds. But um, 
when I first got him, they said he was just Cane Corso, uh, which is like a type of Italian Mastiff. Um, but they only get like their average at like 110 uh, when they get fully grown. And he was, he's 150. Like only 110. So, it's like, oh, he'll, he'll be a medium is huge already. <laughs> yeah, like, I have a 60 pounder and that thing is like a chunk and a half. Like, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, he's going to be 110, whatever. Great. That's perfect. And then all of a sudden he just kept getting bigger and bigger and he was so big. And I'm like, there's no way that he's this type of breed. Like he's got something else in him. So I did one of those swab DNA tests because I was, <laughs> well, no, for dogs. Yes. Yeah. You actually swab it there. I was like, this is, I don't know how they do it. It's actually Cornell uh, vet school made the one that Hey. I used cool. So you encourage cool. your school. That's even um, better. Look at you. Yeah. yeah. And bark dog test. They test your dog's bark. breed. And he had like random breeds that I had no idea. He's like 6% St. Bernard, which oh. is like a fun fact. I tell people that. I mean, I, I can see cute. it in the, the jowl, maybe. Yeah, the jewel, yeah, I can see it, and the shake. And <laughs> it just goes. He's everywhere. obviously like yeah. you were saying. He hangs out with Mateo. They're best buddies. So he's obviously like gentle giant, though. Is he like a huge suck? Oh my god, he's scared of everything. Like he's like he doesn't realize that he has nothing to be scared of. But like he's yeah, he's so chill and just like very gentle. Like the only thing is like when he gets excited, he's 150 pounds. So like if he wants to play. You've got to just be like braced <laughs> for like impact if he just backs and knocks into you. <laughs> like he's knocked me over two different times where he just like was running and he's so like floppy and like not coordinated and just like hit my legs. You went flying? Like, so you got to be on the alert. Yeah. Oh, flying. No. I have it on video. I was filming him running to me. <laughs> run, run, run. Hit my legs. The phone goes flying. That's I like high center of gravity too. Like he's like a couch with legs. So it's like, not like little Winnie who's going to like knock your ankles. Like he's coming no. for your hip high. No, he's coming for the, yeah. He's coming <laughs> for the hip stomach. It's like, yeah. Complete. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's amazing. Okay, we will shift gears a little bit. We're going to get back. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> just finished your work. Yeah, <laughs> enough about dogs. It's so hard, though. I could literally yeah. talk our whole episode about dogs. <laughs> oh, me too. I could go on and on. <laughs> about over here. Oh, my God. So as we were discussing earlier, um, you wrapped up your kind of work with Hockey Canada in this past June, and you worked with the U18 girl, uh, women's team. Just talk us through a little bit about what your role was like and um, maybe some of the accomplishments you found on the way, you know, working for Hockey Canada as on the other side of it, not as a player anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a really cool experience. I, so I worked there for a year. It was like June to June. Um, and I managed the U18 team. Um, so when the opportunity kind of presented itself uh, to have that role, it was like an easy yes for me. And I think just because I knew like what I experienced when I was going through U18s and the people had such a big impact on it, but like they're at such an impressionable age and they also have so many stresses and uh, anxieties about like going to hockey Canada things. And uh, there's such a big pressure about it. And so I just like felt like I could really like obviously do the role. Well, like you're doing all the organizing, like you're organizing Traveling you know, and, things yeah. from meals to hotels, to buses, to airports, to roommates, to 
like it's, you know, you're really doing the nitty gritty, but I also found like, you know, I could be a really nice sounding board whenever they had questions, they could come and feel really comfortable. Cause like I was there not super long ago. Um, so I really was excited to be able to like have an impact on them. Um, and also do my job obviously, but I definitely missed in that role. It's a lot of behind the scenes work, like a lot of organizing. Um, and I definitely missed the like on ice aspect of working in hockey. Um, so it was different for me. I was doing all the administrative work, which I loved. And I loved when I was at the camps and at, um, championships and stuff like that because you're around the team more but outside of it you know you're doing a lot more um, of the business side of the job but um, it was a really really cool experience and it's taught me a lot like even now going into my coaching role um, like being able to do so much administrative work um, behind the scenes so yeah it was a really cool experience and we won at uh, the U18 world in Madison. So that was my last event with them. Um, and I knew going into it was my last event. So it was pretty special to kind of go out uh, being with them all year and then obviously winning That's a world awesome. championship. And I, I love like the, you talked about it a little bit, the behind the scenes stuff, but also like, do you find now you have like an appreciation for a little bit more of like, not that we didn't before with coaches or staff, but once you put yourself in those shoes and you actually do it, like you see it so differently and like the little oh details that you think about or the teamwork that happens behind the scene with coaches or with other staff media, everything like I have, I give them so much credit now, like just having that experience. I know. Like you just, it, Yeah, you come into your room and there's like all this stuff just like placed there. And you're just like, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is amazing. But it's like, well, how did it get exactly. there from like wherever it was shipped from to sorted to this to that? And like, you just don't think of those things. And I, I said the whole time, like to Gina, whenever I was working there, I was like, I really, I think I said thank you a lot, but I could have said it a heck of mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, so you like, you definitely get an appreciation um, for like, everything like how how much organization and teamwork and all the work that yeah. you know staff do so it's definitely yeah. showing me that and like maybe a little bit of an elephant in the room question here and we don't like to keep things too serious on our show because you know we're, we're here just to have a good time but with the hockey canada board kind of wholesale changing we'll call it um what are some things that you would want to see represented in the next board because these are volunteers like you know I, there are perks of course we understand that but people who are going to impact the game like what what sort of voices or faces do you want to see on that that hockey canada board having seen the other side yeah i mean like uh it's tough because we were so shielded from everything that happened. Like I've done a couple of interviews, obviously working for hockey Canada. And then, you know, when all of that, uh, came out, like we had no idea. We found out the day of, uh, when it went out in media. So there was no like real indication of anything. Um, and one thing I always say is like the definition of insanity is when you do the same thing over and over again and you expect yeah. to see change. Um, so for me, it's a no brainer that like change from the top has to happen. Like these things happen over and over again. And if we have the same people, like it's just, you can't expect to see change. So obviously love to see females, people of color, um, just like you want to see a board that represents the country that we live in. Right. So we live in a very, very diverse country. Um, you want to see a board that represents that and for hockey to be more, 
um, appealing yeah. to every single person in the world. You need to have like people, uh, leaders that are in charge that they look like or they can relate to. Um, and hockey, we know has been a very, um, you know, it, there's a mold with hockey players and that's why it attracts the same people mm -hmm. to those, those jobs at the top. And we just can't expect mm -hmm. to see change and we can't expect to grow the game to the extent that we want to, if we don't have diverse people in charge and people can look up to and say like, that could be me someday. Um, so we need to see people of color. We need to see women on the board um, and we need something different or we're not going to see anything change in, in the game of hockey. And we know that right now, like things need to change and it's been years and years in the last few years. Like we need that. It needs to happen. Well said. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more at all. It's uh, it's been, you know, the old men's club for too long probably. And you're right. We just need the changes and, not to get into it at all, but yeah, if it changes from the top, then you can see it maybe a culture change, but you won't see it till that happens. That's definite. Yeah. So yeah. Love that. Big change is coming. <laughs> maybe Hannah Button will put her name in the hat. Like, you know, let's get Buns on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> seems like seems like we'll a big see. task, and you do have your hands full because we're going to talk I, now about uh, Collège Bourget. Yeah, I actually nailed it <laughs> to that to that extent, actually, and what we were just talking about, and everything that um, you know you and Mello are trying to do. Before we get into that, I'd love to talk about a little bit of like where this idea came from and why. Anna, if that's okay. And then I would love to know more about yeah. the situation here in Quebec and where it's at, basically. So, yeah, um, I think, honestly, like, I think it stemmed from working with Hockey Canada and working with that age of athletes. Like, I always knew um, I love that age of athletes. Like, you're getting they're trying to get to the next level. They have so many goals, passions. Um, they want to work hard. Like, they're such a a great age. And then, like I said, with the U18s, like they're at such an impressionable age. And I remember like when I was in high school, like those were like big times in my life. And to have people that are, can be super influential in those times of your life and help kind so of true. guide you. Um, but not only in hockey, but mm -hmm. like just as a person, uh, in school, like I think you can, learn so much in that time of your life when the right people are kind of helping and guiding you. And I just felt like definitely like a passion draw to be able to be influential for that kind of stage of people's life when you, there's a lot of struggles yeah. that happen. Um, and I think that um, having like a, a female role model uh, would be so special for them. So that was definitely a huge part of it. Like working with high school girls was like, Honestly, if you asked me five years ago, starting a prep school, like dream job, like working at a prep school, coaching hockey, but then getting to be a part of like high school girls life um, and kind of guide them to the next step of their life. Definitely a dream job. So it was kind of I was living in Calgary, um, looking to move to this area and was like, you know, I have a really great job with Hockey Canada. I love what I do. Um, I won't move unless something amazing kind of comes up for a career opportunity. Um, and it 
it just kind of happened. They were looking. Uh, so at Bourget, they had uh, five or six boys teams. They were looking kind of to, they've always wanted to start a female program. Um, and Mello knew uh, the sport director who had reached out a couple years ago to her to help kind of get things started, but she wasn't at the time in her career where she wanted to. Um, so then it was just kind of like, again, perfect timing. I don't know why I've been so lucky with Seriously? different things that have happened. But, um, I know. <laughs> So it was just kind of like perfect timing that they were looking to start it. And um, it seemed just like a dream opportunity uh, to open up a so prep basically school. Basically, your dream yeah. job five years ago. Now you're getting it. Obviously, like this, is, it's awesome. It's great. And, and so, so valuable for those young athletes. And especially like not to, again, not to get too serious, but with COVID times, like, you know, I have people very close to me in my family and my partner who are in the school system. And like the COVID years have been really hard on a lot of people, but I feel like our students are struggling like with different anxieties and eating disorders and stuff like that. So uh -huh. um, really impactful to have role models like yourself and Malo, like you say, just to like be there for those girls at that pivotal time in their life and that they can see, okay, like, you know, this is what my life could look like in a few years, or this is what my life could look like in hockey or outside of hockey. Right. So a really cool example that you're setting for them. Um, Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, people on social media probably saw in the Montreal Showcase, uh, a lot of the players stepping off the bus in the Collège Bourget uh, jerseys, which are gorgeous jerseys, by the way. Like, <laughs> if we could, they're nice, hey? Sell, I, would buy, I would buy that jersey. It's I, sick. I know, they're um, nice. So what, yeah. what, what, was the, what was the message behind that? And what are you guys facing right now um, in, in kind of your deliberation with Hockey Quebec? Yeah. So honestly, like, like I said, we were so excited in March, April when the program was being announced and having those conversations at the beginning of this year, it was just like, we never thought that it would kind of come to what it's come to. Um, but we're, we're having a lot of troubles with hockey Quebec right now. So, um, we kind of saw like a gap in development in female hockey in Quebec. Yeah. And that was a big reason why we wanted to start this program is we wanted girls to be able to be at a school, um, playing at the school <laughs> gym class, um, playing at a school, you know, working with coaches who are passionate about being there. They have access to gyms that our rink is on campus. They can live on dorms if they want to come from other places. Um, and we noticed like a lot of the girls that we were speaking to at the beginning of the year when they were deciding if, you know, it was an option for them to come, like they were at the point where they were going to quit mm -hmm. hockey. Um, they were really struggling with school ADHD. We see a lot of like anxiety, depression, like the girls were getting mm -hmm. home late at night um, they're driving an hour and a half, two hours to practices. Um, it just like, it seemed like this perfect opportunity to start this program. And we also knew it wasn't for yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and to that extent, and I just want to, I just want to so, add a little bit on that. So in Quebec right now, like they're mixing or they're combining cities together, Noxy to, to make teams, right? Like it should. So you have enough players, but the cities are like, like you said, an hour away, if not two, if not 45 minutes every time. And, Because you combine cities, the minor hockey in those areas are not prioritizing those teams because they're not from that town or whatever. So the girls are getting like, mm. like last, last, last kind of like choice in ice time. So it's an eight, it's a 9 p.m., it's a 10 o'clock. It's something that I went through 
when I was that age. Like mm. half ice with a boy steam on the other side or like having to drive what? an hour. Oh yeah. Having to drive an hour to do or no practices for two months because there's no ice time. So there's, a, so, so there's an extreme shortage or like, it's uh, just a matter of like, okay. So since you're combining, let's say these three cities, well, you're not from the one city. So all the teams that are from this one city gets priority over you. So they don't get, so you see, you get like, shove down the list basically to get the ice and on top of it if you're a girls team sadly you're not prioritized at the top of elite boys time ice or however that is and right i just want to mention it but and that's something yeah. that like i can't believe it's still happening right now in 2022 when it was happening and i don't want to say that age or whatever but like in 2005 <laughs> if not six okay so like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm just i'm like what you guys are doing i would have jumped right on board if i could have i would have like been one of those players to yeah. like i want to go to school i want to be able to go to bed at a decent time and get to do my homework because how the heck are you supposed to do your yeah. homework after a 10 o'clock or 9 p.m you know ice session yeah like it's crazy and even for me too like in ontario obviously the minor hockey system is yeah. is strong there and the league that um you play in, in high school but when i was in high school i was driving i played in whippy but i'm from belleville so i was driving an hour and a half and so when this opportunity when i when we had these conversations about this, I was like, this is a dream. Like I would have loved to have yeah. this in high school. Like go to school. We're done latest at 6 PM. So then latest. Sorry, so go they, ahead. Continue. <laughs> I was just going to no, ask. Go. So then is the, the like proposition here, like that instead of having a club team, they would stay like the college would be their traveling club team. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. So we would like love to play. Our ideal situation is like more tournament style showcase right. weekends. So play against other prep schools, go to big tournaments where, you know, there's scouts and things like that. And then they practice every single day. So they don't play on an outside club team. It's like they decide to come to the prep school and they get all their games. So more similar to school. like how it is um, in the States, like, like, um, States and like out west, okay. you see it a lot now, like in BC. So like at Okanagan Hockey, yeah, OHA, um, POE, which is now Rink, um, Edge, like all those schools, they go to school there, they play there, and that's where they play their full season. And I think for provinces where it's you know the population is a little bit more spread out, or the the club hockey is, yeah. you know, like in Ontario, yeah. like within the GTA, you can you have. 15 the amount of players is like, like within triple. a radius that you the, can the play amount of to. players or, or girls exactly. players in Ontario is like crazy higher than Quebec. Like we don't have that those those players. So yeah. yeah. And we say like they've told us like hockey, women's hockey in Quebec is fragile. Mm. So you starting a prep school, if you take five players from this team and this team and this team, like these teams are gonna close. Our theory is the more teams that open, the more girls that are playing hockey. So we feed into those girls that got released from teams. Now they get to play at a high level in the civil league. And then people come like it's 20 more girls playing at a high level. That should be something that we're happy about and we're excited about and not trying to shut it down. And if we're not seeing that growth and like people can't feed into those teams, then we have a problem at the grassroots mm. level, which starts a lot Absolutely. before high school hockey. So like, I think right now, and me and Melo talk about this all the time, but if we have a daughter and 
we're considering like where, what kind of sports do we want to put her into right now? Like hockey in Quebec, mm -hmm. like it's not that, um, enticive to put your daughter into female hockey because uh, the closest that we are, uh, to a club is like our practices are about an hour and 15 minutes away from where we live. So like, that's not too enticing, but if there's these schools that open up or, you know, more teams, more hockey, like that's helping grow women's hockey. And that's ideally like all we're trying to do. Our intentions were not to shut down a civil league or shut down teams. Like our intentions were just to grow the game of women's hockey and create a very professional environment. They have their mm -hmm. own locker room. They're training with great facilities. They have two coaches that are really passionate about being there. Um, and just hockey Quebec is really, really so Not what is the level of competition that you face right now? Like your girls are playing other prep schools, I'm assuming. Is that correct? So right now, like Hockey Quebec doesn't, they won't sanction us. So, so it makes it really, anybody. really challenging. So we can play, we can play against unsanctioned teams, which is very hard to find because almost everywhere in North America, teams are sanctioned. But we're playing, we're lucky because we're going to play in a, a prep hockey league um, that will give us about 20 games. Um, and because it's all prep schools, they, everyone has their own insurance. So they're a non-sanctioned league. Um, so that league will still happen. So like, like we said, our problem is not that they're going to completely stop us from playing. We'll play no matter what. But it, we can't go to those mm. big tournaments because they're all sanctioned tournaments. Like they can't play against top teams that we want to expose them to mm -hmm. um, because they're all sanctioned teams. Um, so it just makes it a lot harder. And we just find that like their reasoning and their answers just to us don't make sense and aren't like mm. valid. And there's no laws or regulations or rules that are in writing that like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, a tricky situation probably, right? Sorry, go ahead, Cax. I was just going to say, you know, in, in terms of if if the setup was better and if the, you know, the civil like games or even practices or coaches or whoever is there, if it was better, I would understand, you know, why. But if you can't see that there's a problem within that structure currently right now and that you're not developing the girls or um, our job is to keep girls in hockey right as pro and as like if you can see it you can dream it if you can have different like uh, opportunity in front of you then you see yourself you know in different places or in different time of your life that you can keep playing and it makes sense to you so having this prep school to me is like a visibility and it's something that you know you get new jerseys there's like um there's an attachment that you you get from like belonging to a team or like belonging to a group of girls that are trying to do the same thing as you or are trying mm -hmm. to be, you know, not only was I playing with like that back then, I believe the age gap is different too or whatever, but I was like 13, 14 playing with like some 20 years old and older, like in that weird league that we were, it's no longer the same, obviously, but you don't have like the similarities within versus like teams like you're creating or the prep, like hockey Quebec just needs to understand that it's not for everyone. People will choose and they should have mm -hmm. the choice. And I do think that that's, and I do thing. think that on the other side, yeah. on the men's side, I believe they have those options. So on the boys side, that's our whole thing. Like, yeah, let the girls just choose. Like, it seems like we're trying to like control exactly where they're playing. If there's two options, like we're never going to force someone to come here. If it's not for you and you don't want to be here, that's yeah. totally fine. Do what is best for you. 
Like we should have options. Like the boys mm-hmm. have options. They can play in their civil league. They can play in the RSEQ and they can play in prep schools. And I think it's important to note too, we have, I think five, six, maybe even seven boys teams here. They're all yeah. sanctioned and they they play in different and you know what? It's, I think it's so many parallels, like just the words coming out of your guys' mouth right now is so similar to the fight that we're having in professionalizing yeah. women's hockey. And the fragility of women's sport is a narrative that may have had some backing, you know, 30 years ago. But this is part of the growing pain and the growth process, I think. And and seeing, you know, Hockey Quebec, obviously, um, you guys have been very forward with your ideas. And, you know, I'm hopeful that that voice will continue to get louder and louder. And this is how change happens, but it's a slow moving vehicle, right? Because yeah, there is this still like old, old school thought that, Oh, women, women's hockey is going to fail. Like you can't invest all this money in women's hockey. What like you're just throwing it away, right? Like this is, this is exactly where we're at. So, um, you know, lots of parallels in, in kind of the narrative that you guys are facing in, in the, at the prep school level that we are also facing with the PWHPA. But, um, you know, wish you guys continued success. Wish you good luck. Uh, obviously, you have the support of our players, and um, you know, more games is better. That's what we're so, that's what we're striving for here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, keep going. in switching gears you. to the, <laughs> it's, yeah, you got to get to class, Buns. Gosh, um, <laughs> no, it's good. So we do want to finish off with talking about the PWHPA. Um, what are you most excited for for the upcoming season? And then Cax has got a one final question for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so fun. I think the first weekend in Montreal, like everyone was a little bit, how is it going to be? We're all on different teams. We haven't been with our teams. Like, you know, you practice with a group of players and then you're, you're all spread out. And like, what's that competition going to be like? And how's the hockey going to be? But it was so, it was great. Like the hockey was amazing. Um, the level of play was so good. And like, even after the first game, we thought it, you know, would be maybe a little choppy or everyone's getting used and feeling each other out. And like the skill and everything was, um, it was so fun. It was really, really great. And then I think it's special because you're going to be with the same kind of roster for the whole season. So you'll get that, you know, you'll get that team feel as the season goes on. Um, And I think it was also really cool that, you know, each team picked up a win in Montreal, like, I think obviously, um, you know, we want to see some like even competition and that's what we saw. So it was, it was a lot yeah, of fun. The, the level of talent. I'm so happy it worked out too. Right. Cause like the, the concept came in this year talking with the board and everything and being like, okay, we're going to do this PLL style. And then people are like, what's, what's PLL right now? And it's like this lacrosse league that did what we're doing currently. And I'm glad you're feeling that it's like, you're still going to get that team vibe and you're still going to get, you know, a season like, um, yeah, that was the concept too. Like, Hey, how can we have that season playoff situation and, you know, a championship in the end. So I'm glad you're. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, the last couple of years, like it's hard to be really excited to play when you're not playing yeah. for much. Like, I think we all know that, like when we played in the CWHL, like you're playing for that title. Um, And so to make it instead of, you know, these little showcase weekends and not everyone's at them where it's more of like a season structure, I think it'll, 
um, after the first weekend, everyone's getting used to it. And they, we haven't had that in a few years. Um, like a lot of us, people that haven't played for the national team, like we haven't really, you know, been working for something. So to now have that, I think, um, it'll like increase the level of intensity for those That's teams awesome. for sure. Cause that was one of the feedback we received and we were trying to like make that happen or help make that happen this year as a feeling. So I'm glad you're feeling it already <laughs> after one showcase she's in yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Sold. <laughs> Sold on it. That's good. Okay. So uh, my last question as uh, Maxi uh, put it out. So if you could choose your dream city, right. That a professional women's hockey league would be based in, where would it be and why? So your favorite, why, how, where? Okay, I'm going to go with New York Ooh, City. Big. And my reasoning is I love New York. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's so fun. <laughs> I love the vibe there. I just like... <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty, you probably could have guessed that, but I love New York City. I think it's so fun. It's such a fun city. Um, I love like the architecture in New York City. I know it has nothing to do with hockey, but like I just love the vibe of New York City. So I think it'd be so cool to have a. I love it that. doesn't have and to be related to hockey. So yes, those are valid points. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to live in New York hey, City. <laughs> you know what? You dreamed up uh, your you know professional career, and you got that opportunity in China. You dreamed up your career uh, with the college and you got that so who knows this could Manifest be a premonition it. yeah seriously Hannah Bunton yeah. said it first, yeah. it first. Team. who knows Hannah Bunton words right out of my mouth and thank you so much Bunts for coming on uh, you can follow Bun at Bunts underscore nine on all social media platforms um, and you can also catch her uh, in Truro Nova Scotia November 4th 6th next week which I cannot believe we're already there holy smokes Crazy. Um, of course those games are streamed on CBC uh, Sports and after that Pittsburgh is November 26th 27th with clinics on the 25th so those rosters will be announced uh, you know I'm sure in the coming weeks I'm sure we'll see Bunce there as well you can get all Absolutely. that information tickets all that good stuff at pwhpa.com Go That's buy it for your us, tickets. Thank you so much. Yeah, buy tickets. Thank you, guys. <laughs> guys, we could have sat here for like I know. Hours. I, know. I can't believe it's over. Yeah, I feel like we're not I done. Like, I feel like the yeah. family tree of Raider has left something to be desired. I need to know yeah. more about his lineage. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do it. Right, well, you guys can catch us here, same channel, same time next week on Friday. Thanks again so much, Bunsen, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. The Noxie and Cax Show on SDPN, produced in partnership with the PWHPA. Follow Noxie and Cax on Twitter at 27Noxie and at CareLMRD. The views expressed are those of the individuals and are not necessarily those of the PWHPA. Check out sdpn.ca for more Noxie and Cax and the rest of the SDPN crew. She scores!